Provision is the only identity management solution created with community banks in mind. Ensure a constant state of compliance and security through automation of account provisioning. For more information about Provision Identity Access Management, go to provisioniam.com. Hello and welcome to the MBA Today, a podcast all about Maryland banks and bankers, their history, legacy, and the people that make it all happen. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, we're talking with Yaakov Neuberger, president of Eastern Savings Bank. Yaakov, how are you today? Very well. Well, sir, let's start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role there at Eastern Savings Bank. So I have been involved with the bank for um, really about uh, 36 years. Uh, I've been on the board of the bank uh, probably for 34, 30, coming up to 34 years. And uh, I've been involved in leadership roles for the last 30 years. But really, you know, the the story of the story of Eastern Savings Bank is it's it's really one of the few remaining family-owned banks mm-hmm. in in Maryland, uh, and was um, the key figure of the bank was a gentleman named Harold Goldsmith who took over the bank in 1980 at a time when the <clears throat> bank's total assets were maybe in the five to seven million range. Very quickly grew that um, to about uh, $400 million by the end of 1990. So in his first 10 years, took it from $5 million to $400 million. Uh, Harold Goldsmith, uh, as a young man in his mid-40s, died in a plane crash in 1991. We just passed 30 years since that happened. His, he owned the bank. His family has stayed with the bank uh, and continues to own the bank and has been uh, a great steward of the bank for its employees and its customers, many of which have been here for a very long time. That's fascinating. So so you've been with the organization for 36 years. What, what were you doing prior to that? So I was, um, you know, I was... Uh, Practicing law in Baltimore, um, was uh, was an associate at a very large, one of the largest law firms downtown. Left and started a started a small firm, real estate oriented, together with uh, three colleagues from that firm. And uh, one of our very first new clients, which was not a client of ours at the the firm was Eastern Savings Bank, and this was in the summer of 1985. By the spring of 1987, I was very involved with the bank and joined the board of the bank and then um, have been in this executive role of varying types and titles since Harold Goldsmith's death in February of 1991. Um, but his, uh, his imprint is still on the bank and you know, much to their credit, the family uh, has stayed stayed loyal to the bank, supported the bank, and stepped up for the bank at every stage. So wow. uh, it's been a great relationship. Yeah, absolutely. 
so so let's let's talk a little bit about the history of Eastern Savings Bank a little more deeply. So um, you you mentioned it started off obviously very small and then and then grew pretty rapidly. Um, so when did the bank start? What was the year? The bank started in 1905. So from I don't know how much it had on its at its very first. Although there are records, we actually have minute books uh, that go back all the way to the beginning that talk in the minutes. It actually oh, has. Cool. Mrs. So-and-so came in and deposited $7 and Mr. So-and-so came and put in $4. And this was a mutual bank. Um, it operated in Highland town. Uh, its office was on Eastern Avenue and that's where the name Kemp comes from. Mm-hmm. There were a couple mergers along the way, but, uh, the name that survived was Eastern and it remained a mutual bank until 1980, uh, at which time it it converted to stock owned, and that's that's the time that the uh, the Goldsmith family or Harold Goldsmith bought the bank, um, and that was the period of rapid growth. So 75 years to get from zero to <laughs> five million, and then 10 more years to grow to uh, grow to 400 million. Um, then came a period of more steady growth that saw the bank grow from, uh, you know, from 1991 at 400 million to uh, probably around 2008 at $1.1 billion. Um, so that's kind of a, a fairly significant albeit much slower percentage growth period. Right. Uh, this was a time of uh, incredible profitability for the bank and the, the bank as a, you know, return on assets and return on equity uh, was one of the best performing banks in the country. Um, the, the recession of 2008 hit the bank very hard. Um, harder than many other banks because of a variety of businesses that we were in. And although we were uh, locally owned and um, locally managed business here in, in central Maryland, uh, our loan portfolio was spread out across all 50 states. Oh, wow. So, okay. Um, but during, you know, during the, during the very good years, um, you know, the uh, the bank made uh, you know sixty million dollars a year. That would be like oh five, oh six, oh seven. You know, maybe fifty million dollars, which is an astonishing amount for a bank whose total asset size was at that point in the eight hundred to one point one billion range. Right. right. So, where does the bank sit today in in terms of assets so and number? The of bank is now uh, the bank has. And in order to survive everything that happened in 2008 and thereafter and the real estate recession that that was more profound and lasted longer than any of our models uh, were, you know, had been designed for caused the bank to uh, retrench. We wanted to preserve our capital. Uh, We wanted to keep our capital ratios up. So we intentionally made the bank smaller and smaller and right. kind of stabilized at our current level of about $340 million. Okay. But our capital, 
uh, is disproportionate to that. So we are well positioned for growth because our capital now is in the mid 80 million range. So, uh, you know, using normal um, 10 percent mm-hmm. type of, of uh, you know, leverage ratios, we could our capital would support a much larger bank than than the bank that we have today. And um, we had many troubled assets that grew out of the 2008 recession. Um, we've worked our way through uh, 99.9% of those and are you know, poised for growth in the upcoming years. Congratulations. That's, that's exciting to see the, the light at the end of that tunnel for sure. Um, so, so what, uh, how many offices make up that, um, the, the organization? So the bank is the bank's headquarters are in Hunt Valley, mm-hmm. um, just north of Baltimore, and uh, the savings branches are in three in in Baltimore County and one in Howard County. So um, they're kind of across the across the map. So one in the uh, Bel Air Road corridor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in the York Road corridor, one on Ricerstown Road, and then a branch in Howard County on Route 40. Gotcha. And does do, does the bank focus mainly on um, the consumer market, the business market, or a mixture of both? So the 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 bank has had many many different um, forms of specialization over the years, but uh, for many. For many years, the bank was a largely certificate of deposit focused bank. Mm-hmm. We are moving away from that uh, over recent years to uh, offering more, you know, um, individual checking and savings accounts. Uh, so we definitely have moved away from uh, our previous total reliance on on CD accounts, which kept enabled the bank to grow without having to have lots of branches. Right. Uh, we were a you know, frequent uh, rate leader in this market as well as nationally for you know, what had become our, our main deposit product was the 60-month or five-year certificate of deposit. I gotcha. Okay. So from you've, you've obviously been there for a while. And so you've had to, you've gotten to see a lot of, um, changes, I'm sure, uh, over the course of those, those years with the bank, what impact has Eastern Savings Bank had on the local community there in central Maryland? Well, I would say, you know, if we have customers whose grandparents banked with us all the way back to Highland town, uh, some of those people, still come to the that is the grandparents even right. come to our branches in their 80s and 90s and um we have tremendous amount of stability i think our average tenure of our employees is well over 20 years uh, we have very little turnover at the bank generally and in our savings branches almost every customer is known by name um i'd say it's the it's the rare rare experience for someone asked to show their driver's licenses the <laughs> tellers and the managers know almost every customer uh but you know recently for example in the um 
you know, right after the the start of the pandemic and the start of the PPP program, um, we stepped up to help the local community at a time when we we believe, based on media reports and and some congressional reports, that large banks were focused on uh, the most profitable customers and mm-hmm. customers who were who were going to generate the most fees. Uh, we opened our PPP program to any local business uh, with a, a special focus on nonprofits. We did um, we did dozens and dozens of loans to small religious organizations, uh, many of which, you know, we knew we were going to lose money on just the, the fee that the SBA paid relative to the amount of work it took, but we felt like those those gave a great amount of reward to the people working on those. Our team worked nights and weekends. Uh, we got tremendous amount of positive feedback from customers. Um, you know, again, most largely in the nonprofit community, but also in the small business community. Uh, people who had applied for loans at their large banks and were frustrated heard through word of mouth that Eastern was turning around loans in one or two days, um, came to us and we offered them great service and got them uh, got them PPP loans at a time where days made a difference between staying in business or going out of business. Right. And we're very proud of that. Yeah, that's one thing. I think that the pandemic and the, the Paycheck Protection Program itself kind of allowed to remind local communities about the impact of community banks. And and you see that a lot with community banks stepping up and kind of playing that role to make sure that that happens. So that's, it's very rewarding to be a part of that and to see that happen. Um, it just reinforces what we knew all along, which was community banks are kind of a, a, a stable for, um, for our communities. And we're doing that again in this current round, right. albeit I think smaller for virtually every bank, as far as I know, no one's doing as much in this second round because the qualification requirement is uh, is much harder to meet. It's yeah. not just uh, it's not just you know size, but you have to have had a twenty five percent decline in quarter over quarter between from nineteen from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. So, uh, but many of these nonprofits uh, who were hit hard. Uh, a number of restaurants that we helped in the first round, we've come back and helped again in the second round. So, again, that's been very rewarding for for the bank as a whole, and particularly for the people who spend the time on nights and weekends working to achieve that goal and to bring that smile to the to the nonprofits, religious organizations, and small businesses that we've been able to help. Absolutely. Uh, so let's let's shift gears a little bit, uh, Yaakov. We're uh, celebrating the 125th anniversary of the Maryland Bankers Association, which started back in 1896. So just a few years before Eastern Savings Bank started, uh, and we're asking each guest that that joins us to to talk a little bit about um, what you've witnessed over the course of your time in the industry in terms of changes that you've seen in the landscape of banking. Does does anything stand out to you over that course of time? Well, clearly, you know, what we're seeing right now before our eyes that's been going on literally since I uh, started 
with Eastern and, you know, was involved in various ways with the banking industry even before as a practicing attorney is to see the um, tremendous consolidation of, of the banking industry and really, you know, the struggles of community banks to stay in business. And we, it was not that long ago when, when the FDIC insured over 15,000 banks. Uh, that number is down by two thirds or more. Um, so, you know, we, at the same time, we see, uh, the largest banks have gotten larger and larger and larger as a percentage of the deposit base. Um, the largest banks in our area are not based here. Uh, so we, you know, obviously we have, we have, um, you know, banks that are like Bank of America and, uh, and Wells Fargo more recently, you know, JP Morgan Chase is opening branches all around our area. So, uh, M&T Bank based in Buffalo is, you know, one of the largest players here, but the, the large local banks that existed when, when I first started, uh, the Maryland Nationals and the Equitable and First National and right. all of those, uh, have all been swallowed up by other banks. So that's the, I would say that's the single largest change. And the, you know, the, the regulatory environment is especially challenging for small banks. Efficiency is difficult for small banks as, as much of banking has moved online. Um, the technology investments required of small banks, I think, is a large driver of the consolidation that we've seen. And I hope that we we never get to the Canadian model, where maybe four or five banks um, control ninety eight percent of the banking industry. That's mm-hmm. true. True, I think as well in you know Australia, where four banks control the entire industry. Yeah. So I hope we don't we don't ever see that happening. But definitely the trends and. Um, you know, towards mergers and acquisitions, uh, uh, where larger banks are buying up smaller banks is, is, you know, been a challenge. At the same time, it's presented opportunities for uh, community banks that remain independent like ours to be able to service customers in ways that banks that are not based locally cannot do. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned something that the, uh, the regulatory requirements and the technology enhancements that have happened over the last, you know, 10, 15 years um, have really uh, created some of that challenge for smaller banks to try and keep up um, in, in Eastern savings bank. What have you seen over the last, I mean, even the last five years, I'm sure there's been, uh, if you were shifting from, primarily CDs to more full relationship consumer uh, products. I'm guessing you have a lot more technology than you had before. Right. And we're still, that's still an evolving process that we're, we continue to add to on a, on a day by day basis. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it is definitely part of our plan over time to expand the services that we offer. Although, you know, we, we obviously cannot offer 
the full range of services uh, and the convenience nationwide that the large national banks offer. But we offer um, we offer the opportunities that small banks have uh, to help our customers, to help people, uh, many of them who who can't get loans at large banks. Uh, right. We're able to sit down with them, understand their story, and um, figure out ways that we can be of assistance to them in ways that, that larger banks or banks based, but based elsewhere could not do. Right. The, uh, the pandemic that we've kind of all been living through for the past 12 to 18 months, what's, uh, what have you seen in your organization that, that sort of has been, um, changed or, or altered because of it? So we've done the, the same, uh, the same as I think most, most banks we've, uh, we have stayed open throughout. We have provided services to our customers throughout. Um, our technology platform was such that uh, moving to work from home was not a big challenge for us. We had many associates uh, with laptops. We had the VPN capability to have uh, as you know as many as all of our laptop employees be able to work from home. So that part has worked out very well. We've, our office layout is such that uh, uh, our cubicles are socially distant and large and no one's sitting right next to another person. This is even pre-pandemic. So mm-hmm. while we have, uh, we're still on, you know, mostly work from home, we, we have adjusted back to, um, you know, some people are in every day and almost everybody is back at least one day a week right now. Great. Um, so Yaakov, as you know, the NBA plays a large role in helping promote the strength and success of Maryland banks and the bankers that run those banks. Um, over the course of your career, what, what has the NBA meant to you? Well, particularly in this last, in this last year, I think the NBA has been a great resource, uh, to, banks and bankers uh, for at a certain point we were having weekly calls every Friday uh, to bring people up to date on on the latest events in Washington to help people understand how to deal with new regulations with the new reality of the pandemic um, more recently with certain executive orders uh, that impact banks uh, at the state level and I think the the whole team, uh, both the professional staff at the MBA as well as the outside consultants that the MBA uses, uh, done a great job keeping the membership apprised of all the things that they need to be aware of and the steps that they need to take, um, dealing with uh, stimulus checks, dealing with PPP, and uh, you know, the the just in general how to handle life in this environment that none of us ever pictured sure yeah yeah having a resource uh and a and a and a group with a common purpose kind of helps in situations especially like these difficult times to kind of come together and have a a really um uh, 
collective effort towards making things easier, better, faster, whatever. And I think the opportunity for, for some, many bankers have always made the effort to participate in, in, in person events, but that wasn't always possible for everybody. But the, you know, the zoom type events have been much easier to attend and has given many of us an opportunity to interact with peers uh, in ways that were not possible before. So that's also facilitated by the, by the Maryland bankers. Yeah. It's like a a silver lining in in the course of a pandemic. Well, Yaakov, thank you again so much for your time. Do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? No, just that we are, you know, we are um, in an industry that that I think can provide great help to people. We um, we stand ready to help the community as we have done in the past. I'm speaking for our bank as well as for all the banks that I deal with and interact with. I think we've stepped up in PPP in the first round and the current round and um i think we are we are all dealing with challenges in different ways but uh i am confident that the industry is going to come through this in a strong fashion and uh be more capable and better equipped to handle the needs of our customers both on the deposit side and the loan side definitely yakov neuberger President of Eastern Savings Bank, thank you once again sincerely for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. That brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting our website, mdbankers.com slash podcast. You can also always leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to podcast at mdbankers.com. The Maryland Bankers Association is the leading advocate, trusted partner, and exceptional resource for Maryland banks and the banking industry. We thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more MBA Today. Until then, remember that together we represent one voice, and as an industry, we make a positive difference in the communities that we serve. Have a great week. The 125th podcast series is brought to you exclusively by Provision Identity Access Management. Eliminate the manual work of account provisioning by utilizing Provision's role-based automation. Banks can dramatically improve efficiency and be confident that they are audit-ready with detailed reporting capabilities. Schedule a demo or learn more about Provision Identity Access Management. Go to provisioniam.com.